Welcome to another episode of Toy Vecca Talk. We are back for episode 7. It is myself, Paul, the owner of FootballManagerCentral.com. And I'm Paul from the fellow Peno to the FMC, the Merseyside Socios of Torre Vieca. And I'm Jeff. I'm the vice president of Club Deportivo Torre Vieca. That's it. How exciting does that sound, people? <laughs> we have the vice president with us this evening. Thank you for joining us, Jeff. You're very welcome. I'm very pleased to be here. We are very happy to have you here. And just to let people know before people are asking, next week Chris will be joining us again after his couple of weeks holiday, basically. Um, but we're going to go on to some topics. First off, I thought we cannot have you on, Jeff, without grilling you about the club. Um, so I think the first thing which um, Paul put across to us straight away was he wants to know why and how did you get involved with a club in Spain? Well, like everything else, Paul, uh, I've got my wife to blame for that because um, (laughs) when we arrived in uh, Torrevieca, she uh, managed to find some poster that said uh, Torrevieca were playing a big football match. She says, oh, let's go to that. It wasn't very easy to find the ground. I think we had to end up going to the tourist information office and say, can you tell us where the football ground is? But we got there in the end, and as it happened, they were involved in the playoffs for Division 2B. And we saw the game where they played a team from uh, Daragotha, and they got through to the final. And then they played a team from one of the islands, Fuerteventura. They lost 3-2 in aggregate, but there were 6,500 people in the 7,000 capacity, Vicente Garcia Stadium. The atmosphere was absolutely fabulous. And there were so many British people there. This was at the height of the Tory army having oh, a couple of hundred members and really supporting the club big time. So that was my introduction to it. I ended up working for a firm that I managed to ask if they would sponsor the Tory army and then sponsor the football club. And eventually they had their name on the shirts for a season as a sponsor as well. So uh, I just got caught up in the whole uh, enjoyment of live football and really the family atmosphere that there was about this sort of almost half British club going back to uh, 2006-2007. That's fantastic. I think it's fantastic that you literally just went along to a game and ended up falling in love and you've never looked back. Well, that's the case of it. And um, it's only because there were so many welcoming people there. And that's one of the things that I try to do. I'm at the gate for games and I'm selling programs and I'm checking people's accreditation and letting people in or refusing them entry if I'm in bouncer mode. And, but I always try to have a smile on my face and a bit of a laugh with people that come in and make it welcoming. And if they get a bit of a fun enjoyment when they come through the gate, even if the game isn't that good, they might think about coming back another time. That's my philosophy. Well, just to warn you, Paul is travelling over there soon, so please don't refuse <laughs> him because I need some footage from inside the ground. Well, there's a question mark over that because I have got some pictures up on the front of the stadium, so people will have their eyes out for him, that's for sure. <laughs> is there a back entrance to the stadium? <laughs> yeah, well, at least one. Over the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you want to just um, explain to people um, a fourth-tier Spanish football club? Um, what are your main roles in the club? Obviously, the club's not professional, so how often are you at the club? And what, what, what do you do around the club? Yeah, well, it, the club actually did turn professional uh, five or six years ago and got into a lot of bother. And, in fact, the financial plights of... Uh, the club were very well documented and there was a real rift at one stage. And the town hall, believe it or not, has been the biggest supporter 
of the uh, football club and has bailed them out on many, many occasions, one season to the tune of 430,000 euros. Now, that's a phenomenal sum of money compared to what we're able to uh, engage in terms of our subvention, our grant from the town hall these days, which tends to be about 50 or maybe 60,000 euros, a very small amount comparatively. So uh, it is a part-time professional club. Not too many of the players have anything else that they're involved in, I have to say. They do train five days a week, have one day off, and then play on the, the, the Sunday or sometimes the Saturday. But it is the national Spanish third division. That's uh, part of the, the, the structure within uh, the full league system. But because it's such a big country, it is very much uh, done on a geographical basis. La Liga, obviously, is if you're in La Liga, you go wherever the other teams are. The same with the Segunda. But then in 2B, the third tier, there are four divisions, and they are done geographically. Then you come down to the third division, and it has 18 different groups. We're obviously in Group 6 in the Valencia region. So uh, it's very competitive, and usually the teams within the Valencian region uh, tend to be teams of a very high quality. Now, I think that's tailored off the last few seasons, and there's probably only half a dozen teams that you would say will be in serious competition for the playoff places, and that's been the case now for the last two or three seasons. So only 20 teams in the group. Four are going to get into the playoffs. Three are going to get relegated, but four from 20, well, you know, uh, even my mathematics says that's, uh, that's 20%, so uh, a fair chance of getting into the playoffs, I think. But we shall see. I mean, I think talk, talking over pre-season, myself and Paul were definitely dreaming high, weren't we, Paul? Absolutely, yeah. We were thinking this This is definitely on the pronunciation, you know, this is this is the year, definitely. Um, I mean, we were looking, obviously, we spoke a lot over pre-season in um, the early episodes about um, the amount of players that were used in pre-season, Jeff, and um, the amount of rotation the manager was doing, um, which we actually put across as a really good thing because the players were getting a lot of game time. We were playing a lot of friendlies opposed to the other teams in the league. Um, but what what we wondered, that far down, um, I know my local team in Norway here, the players all assigned from basically attending trial days. How, how do clubs like Torvjeka look for players? Do you, have a, do you have any kind of scouting system or is it all about players coming to you? No, it's, a, it's very much a case that uh, the manager has got a technical team, the Cuerpo Tecnico, and he's got his assistant manager, he's got a preparador physical, the, the guy who actually does the, the drills and the training with the guys. And uh, then we've got a team of physios involved. Well, they're not so much involved in the player selection, but uh, that technical team of the manager, the assistant manager and, and the trainer, along with our director of football, who is Jose Alvarez, now they've got a wealth of knowledge of footballers in this region and other regions. Plus, a lot of footballers, believe it or not, even at this level, have got agents. So we will be approached by agents saying... I've got a player, I think he'd be good for your club, uh, I'd like you to have a look at him. Generally, we're able to know about these players anyway, because there is a fair amount of uh, television footage available, uh, even at, at this level, because uh, certainly if you look at someone like Gold's Media, they're able to show lots of highlights of different games, and you will also find other little snippets of other games. So it's easy to find out about footballers, but the manager and his team and the director of football 
having been in football for 20, 30, 40 years, they have got lots of contacts, they've got a wealth of knowledge about players and have worked with players, have managed players at other clubs. So um, not so much the trial basis. We do, if people write to us and say, I'm coming to live in Torrevieja, I'm a footballer, we say, send us your CV, make sure it's in Spanish if you can, because all of the Spanish, all of the, the managers and the people involved in that technical team only speak Spanish. So they've got to be able to read and understand it and communicate with you. And I keep saying to, to, to British hopefuls, look, if you're coming over here, your biggest problem isn't going to be your skill or your fitness. It's going to be communication. Do you speak Spanish? Because if you can't communicate with the players and if the manager can't tell you the role he wants you to play and how he wants you to play, then you've got a big problem. And that's why we haven't had too many British players of recent, but not really through trials. No, we don't get players that way really, Paul. It's about how the manager and his group of staff work in terms of their knowledge and their contacts with the other uh, agents and players in this region and, and, and wider afield. But uh, that's basically how we end up uh, having our team uh, at the beginning of each season. And players generally are only here for a season, um, or on a contract for one season, and then we might renew that for five, six, seven uh, for the following season. But it's a, a season, as a season at a time. Fantastic! That's a great insight. What I what I will say on them, the terms of renewing contracts and players staying. Obviously, a lot of football manager fans are disappointed that Obella has left the club. Um, so we can't persuade you to get on the phone and convince him to come back. <laughs> Well, in fact, I would love to because uh, there have been a few players, Obelli was one and Steve Akedi was another, that I thought um, were as good centre-forwards as ever we have had. Um, unfortunately, uh, Obelli left uh, with great sadness because he um, was actually told at our gala dinner when we had got all the awards in, in May that uh, he wasn't going to be part of the setup for the new season. And uh, he rightly got upset because... He actually had left the club on a previous occasion and he, he put up on his family friend of his on Facebook and he said, you know, to be to be sent on my way once is, is, is bad enough, but to be sent on my way twice really hurts very badly. And he was he was very sore about it. And um, yeah, I have a very soft spot uh, mm -hmm. for Abelli and I had a great big soft spot for Steve Akedi as well that uh, we lost in January uh, um, in, in terms of uh, last season, but uh, I'm afraid that's the way it goes. If people who are brought in to uh, to do certain things don't do it, then uh, the, the president runs out of patience because he's the man every single month putting his hand in his pocket and paying all the wages. And we wouldn't have C.D. Torrevieja if we didn't have the Chanty Voices manager. But it's as simple as that. He has kept this club afloat for five years now out of his own personal monies. And when he decides that the players aren't performing, they're not doing what he needs to do, and he wants a change, that's going to happen. Ah, oh, well. I suppose, just one thing on that. I, I suppose that's quite easy to um, to let the emotion run away with you. As you say, you have spot, soft spots for certain players, but uh, the root of it, because money probably is so tight at that level, you need to be very careful. You've got to be quite you know, astute and business-minded at, at, at times with these things, haven't you, Jeff? You do, Paul. And... and uh, Vicente Boyce has come into this uh, very reluctantly. He, he was brought in at a time when the club was in complete turmoil. I was treasurer at the time and we couldn't pay the wages in September. Uh, we were €6,000 short. He came down, was asked by the manager, Mario, Mario Barrera at that time, 
uh, to come and help us out. He came down, he gave me 6,000 euros cash and allowed us to pay for players that month. And he wasn't interested in having a role within the club. It was, it was forced upon him because it was in such disarray. It was in such financial turmoil. And uh, there was a bit of a backlash against uh, the British running the club, which they essentially had been for about four or five, six seasons um, up to that point. And uh, he came in very reluctantly. In fact, we had a, a Junta Gestora, which is a temporary committee running the football club until last season when he went to the Sofios, the people who own the football club at the AGM. We presented all the minutes and the financial accounts. And he said, I would like to be president now of this club for four years. Here are the people I want working with me uh, as my fellow directors. And the Sofios uh, voted for that and said, fine, that's the case. So he's the president for four seasons. So, you know, I think we have to, as you say, be a little bit hard-nosed about it and realize that, yeah, it's uh, it's about performing. And we don't want to go down into the preferente, you know, like you, este año si, we think we should be champions. We should be up in that top four fighting for a place in 2B. And the bottom line is, when you bring people in and you say, you know, you're my centre forward, you're the guy getting the goals, if he isn't getting them, then you have to do something about it. And uh, we've changed the way we're operating this year. Last year, everybody had a contract. This year, only one player has a contract. Now, what that means is, if we find some people are underperforming, if we find some people aren't fitting into the way that the team needs to play to be most effective, then we're able to say, sorry, thank you very much, on you go, and then we can hunt around, or preferably have hunted around a little bit before we have sent someone on their way to bring someone else in who similarly is available uh, to be able to join us. We're not, in that sense, obviously if people are under contract, uh, we can't sign anybody from, from other clubs, but players can be released and then can be free agents, it's called giving them their baja, so giving them their, their freedom, and they're now not associated with any club, and obviously we would be looking for other players, perhaps in that similar situation, and as you know, you know, you don't become a good or a bad player overnight, and some players just don't work in certain systems with certain other colleagues and players, and they will fit into other teams and do extremely well. Steve DeKetty, that I mentioned to you, he went back up to his third division team in Group 1, um, in the third division, and in uh, seven and ten games, he scored seven goals. You know, he wasn't doing that with us. Maybe it was the way we were playing. Maybe it was the, the lack of service that he was getting, or the type of service he was getting. Whatever it is, that's that's debatable. But that's something we're able to do this time round. I think it's um, it's. It- I, I like that. That um, obviously the method of if they're not performing, they can be moved on. Um, especially after the first few games of the season, I bet you were looking at a couple of them. Um, but we've got a one one thing I actually want to ask, which it's a, maybe slightly moving a, a little bit away from the the topics just quickly. Is um, here in Norway, all training sessions for all the lower league clubs and the top clubs for 90%, I would say, all sessions are done in English because of the influx of foreign players. Do you not feel the, the, the forcing of, look, if your CV's not in Spanish, if this isn't in Spanish, you're going to struggle, or the, the management team might not even look at it? Do you not feel you might miss out on a couple of maybe maybe English or maybe Eastern European players who could have a lot of quality who want to come and try the hand in Spain and maybe get overlooked by Torvieca? I think that's a very good point, Paul, but the bottom line is we have had 
lots of English people and um, uh, players from other countries come in over the seasons, and some have done very well, but the, the, the stumbling block has been for a number of British players, the, the communication, because they simply haven't been able to speak the language, and they, they don't know, they're relying on one or two of our players, like young Vicente Boyce, uh, who, okay, is the manager's uh, son, but he is there on his own merit. He is an excellent player. He's now 24 years of age, been with us now for, for over four seasons in his fifth season. Uh, he speaks, obviously, Spanish, fluent English, fluent uh, French, and German. He's, he's, um, someone he's that's just showing off now. <laughs> but don't forget, we've got two Croatians in our team at the Indeed. moment in terms of and Brani. Um, we also have had over the season French players, uh, Colombians, Argentines, um, and we have had one or two British people. And obviously, young Lewis Allen is a British lad at the moment, although he has lived here for the past 12 years since he was, you know, uh, nine, nine years of age. He, he came to Spain. So he is fluent in Spanish. But, you know, it's like anything else. If if you don't speak the language of the country you live in, you are going to struggle. You're going to struggle with, with the basics, you know, driving and reading signs on the motorway, with paperwork, with correspondence you get. It's it's very, very difficult. So um, uh, I can understand the fact that we might miss out on one or two really good prospects. But, you know, if, if we had the next uh, Liam Messi come along to one of our uh, uh, trialling sessions, I don't think the lack of... Uh, his Spanish would see a shame, but uh, yeah, it is tough, uh, and, and I think we would miss out on perhaps one or two very good players now and again. But uh, overall, I think we're we, we do it right, and, and and we are careful or as careful as we can be to uh, not mislead anybody. And, and I always make the point: look, there's a lot of things that you're going to have to sort out, uh, you know, your accommodation and your transport. But the language is going to be a problem. It really will. Yeah, I can understand that, um, especially if, as you, as you've explained, the uh, if the management team d- struggles with um, English or French or German, for example, then obviously it's good that, as you say, look, it has to come in in Spanish. Otherwise, you really are going to struggle. Um, but we'll move on. We're gonna we're gonna quickly look back at the previous weeks as soon as we've got you on just quickly without mentioning obviously this week's game um it wasn't the the start of the season we expected just because of how well we did against stronger opposition in pre-season yes the results didn't go away jeff but we we looked fairly decent um i mean what was your thoughts on the on the early games well to be honest paul i was completely flummoxed when the the season started because uh, I agree with you. I think uh, in pre-season, um, we actually looked very, very good. Now, maybe that was because the lads were trying to impress the manager. Maybe that was because they were friendly games and players were more relaxed. There wasn't any tension within them in terms of getting a result. But against al Coron, who are a very good team, and, and uh, uh, against um, uh, Elche and, and, and others, I thought we played extremely well. But once the league program started, um, I don't know... Uh, uh, in the first half up in Antinient, uh, we were probably only marginally behind them. We had a couple of uh, of chances that just didn't go in, and um, uh, they took their chances, took them very, very well. But that first half, there wasn't too much between those two teams uh, at all, in my opinion. In the second half, um, I don't know where we went. We disappeared 
and they ran riot and they could have beaten us five, six or seven nil. So that certainly give us a major jolt because I've been talking beforehand not only about getting into the uh, the playoffs, the top four, I was turning around and saying to people, we're going to be champions this year. Look at the players that we've got. Look at the array of talent. We've brought back Luis Carlos, uh, who had been with us previously, and he was he was hammering in the goals preseason. So once the league program began uh, and, and our first two or three games, I was thinking, heavens above, uh, what has happened? The, the, the sky has fallen in and... Um, and maybe there are reasons for it. Maybe we were playing too many different people. Maybe there were too many opportunities uh, for a wide range of our 20 players. I think David Rives is the only uh, player on our squad who hasn't actually um, started a game uh, this season. And that's uh, you know, quite an array of people to have been playing in the first four or five games. So was that a problem? Or did the manager say, well, I've paid big money for you know Juan Fran, for Sanchez, for... Um, Oscar for uh, Juan Ma, so they're going to start and and okay individually maybe sometimes they had good patches but were they actually uh, gelling in terms of being able to play in the, in the team and and I'm I'm quite critical of the team you know I might be the uh, the, the vice president but I, I write in some of the local papers and uh, I certainly do not uh, feel as though I should be constrained in criticizing our players and. Um, Quintero, uh, another big name who was brought in. I'm sorry, he's not performed um, uh, as we would have expected for someone with his reputation. So uh, the managers had a, a big headache in looking at the initial games and thinking, what's going wrong here? What am I not getting right in terms of the combination? I think he's a an adventurous manager, and I think he's a manager who will take action and do what he needs to do. And I think that's beginning to happen. Uh, but there's still a lot of changes in the team. The last two or three matches, we've changed three and four players from the previous game. So he obviously isn't convinced he's got it right as yet. But, uh, you know, a couple of clean sheets in the last few games. And um, maybe, just maybe, we're getting on the, the right track. I certainly hope so. Maybe. I mean, we're going to now talk about um, the game which has just taken place. We're going to obviously... Paul, our staff man, is going to start rhyming things off. You'll no doubt offer him a job after you hear his fantastic staff work. <laughs> um, but first off, for the people who are watching on YouTube, we are now going to show the highlights. Um, if you are listening to the podcast via iTunes or SoundCloud, you can check it out at youtube.com slash Central. You can check out the highlights video, the full package, but... If you are watching us back on YouTube now, here are the highlights. Okay, so as you see there, Torvieka 2, Muro 0. We will go straight to the stat, man. Yeah, so, I mean, it was a great game. The, the fact that um, we were 2-0, you know, pretty early on within the, the, the half hour. Um, obviously, the, the sending off of their keeper, Sambias, will have helped um, after after 24 minutes to, to, to bring them down and then obviously as you saw later on 68 minutes in they, they get Alex Torella sent off as well um, both sending off unfortunately not, not properly caught on camera um, the first one the keeper was uh, basically handling outside the box straight red and then Jeff you might be able to shed a bit more light on this one the, 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 the second sending off was actually a bit of an off the ball incident um, it, well, it wasn't so much off the ball. I was actually about uh, seven yards from it because I sit right down at the front 
Um, and this happened on the touchline right beside us. And Sanchez, who had been the referee, by the way, was absolutely abysmal throughout the game. Sanchez had been cleaned out about five minutes earlier. His feet just taken from underneath him. The referee four yards away looked at it and did award us a free kick. And that was it. I couldn't believe it. I was out of my chair. But on this instance, what happened was... Um, it was Sanchez and his opponent uh, near the touchline at my side with the, a bit of a, a tussle. And the guy drew his elbow back and smacked it right into his face. You know, there was nothing bar a red card that could be given for it. And then the, the comedy aspect of it was that as soon as he had showed the red, he started to walk off. And then he walked back to the referee and shook his hand. And I thought, <laughs> well, if I, well, I've been a referee for, for quite a few years. I certainly wouldn't have even shook his hand. I would have just pointed to the dugout. So, yeah, it was an elbow, and it was deliberate, and it was vicious. So, uh, yeah, absolutely correct, that sending off. Do you, do you think that he, he thought it was maybe, um, you know, out of the referee's eye and thought he could get away with it, or was just, you know, the, the, the red mist descended and he thought, I'll have him? Probably a little bit of both, Paul, to be honest, because he was facing us. They were, they were facing uh, uh, not the field of play. They were facing the stand as they were uh, tussling for the ball. And uh, but, but players sometimes... I have to, in my heart, be honest and say um, they can be very, very silly and it was a stupid thing to do. And you don't have to be playing at this level. You can be Diego Costa playing in the Premiership and be a silly boy as well. So uh, they, they, they do it and they think they can get away with it. And uh, thankfully, a lot of the time they don't. I think um, why we're talking about discipline, um, Mr. Statman's been busy and every single week now we're going to be able to bring you updated and a fantastic array of stats. Um, so we're going to go into the discipline first, Paul. And um, we average in 3.67 cards a game. Obviously, that was um, affected by the six yellow cards received in our previous game. But um, 21 yellows and one red card so far this season. That's quite, quite heavy, Paul. Yeah, I mean, the first game of the season, it started off quite pretty badly because we got five in the first game um, and then it kind of tailed off. And it, it, it kind of looks like there was a lot of uh, passion, should we say, a lot of commitment. And, and that was that was coming out with, with cards, unfortunately. And it seems to have calmed down. But then again, as you made the comment, Jeff, um, I think in the recent game, the, the, the referee was a bit too card happy. Uh, maybe he had a bit of a contract with Clinton's. And, um, you know, the, the amount he was dishing out. So, yeah, it, I mean, we got six. I think their opposition got four plus the red. Um, so, you know, that's that, that's a hell of a lot. So that will have slightly skewed the uh, the, the figures, shall we say. But, I but mean, yeah, so, sorry, there's just something I want to ask Jeff, which um, you actually mentioned, Paul, a couple of weeks ago, which was um, Jeff Paul thinks um, that... It, it seems some of the some of the players have been letting themselves down in terms of getting very cheap yellow cards. Is there something you've noticed at the games? Um, well, I, I would actually disagree with that, Paul, and let me tell you why. Um, I think we've got some players who um, are very passionate, very, I wouldn't say aggressive, but they, they play with 100%. Jorge is one of these. Now, Paul will probably know this better than I will, but, but Jorge got something like 18 yellow cards last year, 16, 18. Um, and he's always going to do that because of the style of play, because of where he plays, and it is absolutely total commitment. And that's uh, his nature, and we're never going to change that. What I feel is more the, the problem that we've got at this level is there are only 
two or three referees that I have seen home and away in the last seven, eight seasons that I would go up and shake their hand and say, well done, that's great. They don't control the game. They lose control. They never speak to players. They would never think of having a word with a player and saying, I see what you're doing. You better stop it now or you're in trouble. They just let it go and let it go. And then they start going card mad. So I'm sorry. It sounds like an old cliche blaming the referee for the problems and woes of of ill any team. But the sad fact is the referees at this level, um, I think, are a, a pretty poor bunch. And they bring these problems on themselves and on teams. So uh, I'm afraid uh, as, a, as a referee myself, 20 years uh, as a, a senior county referee, um, I, I just don't think they've, they've got it. I think I was refereeing at a level in, in Middlesex and in Kent uh, that's higher uh, than, 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 than these guys are performing at week in, week out. But that's my opinion. Hey, yeah, front I mean, and tandem. It's good to have a have the have the view of someone who's there, and just obviously, we've just obviously looked in looked at the situation when they picked up the yellow, and not seen the overall picture of the how the referee performed for the game, and um, which yeah, you know how Paul go on, Paul. No, I was just going to say. I mean, we we kind of what's the right word? Maybe not just following on from what you were saying then about Jeff about the um, the quality and the standard of the referees of that league. I mean, we've had sixty games so far this season. And that's already seen 20 red cards. Um, luckily, no player has been sent off twice. So that's what, one in three games sees a red, which is which is quite heavy. And then yellow cards, there's 207 players who have all been booked. Um, and that's what probably, again, three, just over three and a quarter um, new players. Now, you, you've got guys who have picked up five already out of the six games. There's, there's a couple there. There's a whole raft who have picked up four and three. Um, luckily for us, though, obviously, Torrey, we, you know, the, the most we've got is, I think it is, where are we? Yeah, four with Juan Fran and then Jorge and three. As you said about Jorge's passion and, and, and how uh, committed he is, he, he picked those up first three games in the season and touch wood you know so far he hasn't picked them up in the last three hopefully that will continue as well well i think that's a phenomenal amount of uh, cautions to be issuing in the first five mm. uh, six games of the season and i do have to uh, blame referees in the main because paul because i do not think they man manage i don't think they try to control the game and then the game slips away from them and before they know it uh, it's not unusual for 10 12 i've been at games where there have been 17 uh, cautions made in an wow, individual wow. and sometimes it's been a little bit less than that but, but high again and, and unfortunately referees here have got two or three things in their mind they will always caution if someone uh, is shirt pulling that seems to be a standard yellow card but uh, again they bring it on themselves and they do not manage the game sufficiently well to let players believe that they are controlling it and uh, I'm sorry I've got a very poor view of the quality of refereeing, uh, with one or two exceptions, but certainly the referee that we had uh, at the weekend, I think he was a very, very poor example of uh, refereeing at this level. That's no problem. I mean, we'll move on to the um, the situation at the minute. We've obviously two clean sheets in a row. Um, some fantastic stats come from Paul here on um, the number of minutes since we've now since we last conceded a goal is two hundred six minutes, and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, in, fantastic. In the on. previous 206 minutes, we'd conceded five, so 
it's shown obviously the, the turnaround and um but we kept two clean sheets and we we still changed the goalkeeper i mean paul you were surprised that the yeah. goalkeeper changed so I was surprised to begin with that, he, that Oscar was dropped and, and Miguel Serna was brought in. And then obviously, fantastic, you know, he, he got a clean sheet. But then for Oscar to be brought back, um, I mean, it's fantastic that both of our keepers have got game time now and they've both got a clean sheet under the belt. But it was just a little bit surprising, Josh. Well, it was surprising to me as well. I did see a little interaction between uh, one of our substitutes um, at the time when we conceded um, the uh, the goal in the game against Althea where we lost 1-0 and he seemed to be blaming um, Oscar for that. Whether it was because he didn't have someone at the near post uh, covering that area, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but whether the manager blamed him uh, for it as well, I have no idea. But certainly uh, Miguel Serna did then start the next game. But, but also something probably that's worth noting is last season our uh, reserve goalkeeper uh, was uh, Marcos, a young 19-year-old lad from Madrid, who was actually very, very good. We've never had a bad goalkeeper at the club, thank goodness. Um, but he wasn't getting any games, and he was on a very low wage. Now, this season, what the manager has done is he's actually brought in as a second-string goalkeeper someone who has got very, very good Division Three experience, who played for Mormonor last year, and they got to the playoffs um, in terms of their third-division status. Um, and uh, Miguel Serna, he's not a youngster, he's 26 years of age, and he's very, very good, and he's on a good wage, comparative to what previous teenage keepers have, have been on before. So I think the manager, you know, will look to giving him his opportunity to play, and if there is any little chink or any little doubt as to um, our, our first-choice goalkeeper perhaps not being in tip-top form, then Miguel Serna might get the chance. So... That's just another, uh, if you like, uh, viewpoint on that situation. Whether that's the truth of the matter, um, I, I couldn't say for sure. I think, um, to... sorry, I was, I was going to say, Paul, last, last week, obviously, we actually looked at the, um, the highlights, Jeff, of, of the, um, the goal in question. And um, mm-hmm. we actually picked out pretty much the same thing as the fact that the, the defending was very poor. Um, yes, but also, yeah. what what I, I pointed out was that um, Oscar takes a step forward before he takes a step sideways, and that puts him in the wrong position to make the save. Um, so if, obviously, the manager spotted that, then I can see why he made the change. I was, I was, I was kind of expecting that to the next time, where I, I think I said to Paul, I said, I wouldn't be surprised if there's no change for the next game. Um, but then I was more surprised at the fact that he was then dropped after keeping a clean sheet away to Villarreal C, Villarreal, um, C or 3. Um, but go on, Paul, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say the same thing. That the fact that we, we were uh, uh, you know, probably quite negative about that goal. There was a, a couple of issues. Yeah, the, It was the defending, the, the player came forward, nobody followed him. I think it was Louis Carlos who was probably on him, I think. Um, or mm. um, who was tracking the player who scored against El uh, Frangie when he scored against Althea. Um and then but I mean as you said going back to the point about bringing in the you know uh, uh, what should we say uh, a much superior level you know backup keeper I mean as yeah. you said Miguel Cerna who played 32 games last year and only conceded 28 uh, Marmonar got, got 12 clean sheets last season so as you said the quality is there and, and after Oscar played every single minute of last season you begin to wonder whether that's the right word complacency 
you know, or it may slightly set in. And I, I think this will keep both of them on the toes and can only be fantastic for the club. Well, I think we need to, we need to, we need to remember, don't we, Jeff, that um, this this is the the fourth level of um, Spanish football. Some mistakes are going to happen. Obviously, obviously, mm. we pointed out that he stepped forward before moving across. He is not playing for Real Madrid, he's not playing for Barcelona mistakes are going to happen but as Paul said, has complacency stepped in where he thought, well I'm not going to get dropped, but now it's happened and as we said in last week's show if mistakes happen if issues happen, we will not shy away from it, we will point the issues out because we are fans of the club we want to see the club do well and as you said Jeff, why not point stuff out if stuff's not going well it, it has to be addressed, we can't just sugarcoat over things well, I think basically, Paul, we're all involved in football in whatever capacities, be it as referees, be it as fans, be it as people involved with clubs um, or on the fun side of, of, of other clubs, the, the, the internet side, because we enjoy football and we like Indeed. watching football. Yeah. We get we get something out of it. Now, you're quite correct. Um, Oscar has been a tip-top goalkeeper, played every game uh, last season, but he's also... A very strong character, and he's got a, he's got a very uh, strong personality. And I've seen him argue last season, in particular with Galliano, the manager then. And I wasn't impressed by that. I thought um, that he was out of order to be speaking to the manager in the way he has. Like Pedreño, he's a, he's a he's a much older gentleman. He's getting close to my age, and he's got the experience, and he's a very composed manager. There's no up and down with him. He's, he, he knows what he wants and he works consistently to get it. And he would not tolerate um, any such behaviour. So maybe there was a part of that going on as well. But I think you've assessed it right. I think you've seen, he's seen, yeah, I, I think maybe he slipped up there. I've got a good substitute goalkeeper. He deserves his chance. I'm going to give him his chance. And then, of course, you know, it, it's difficult. He kept a clean sheet and did fairly well. Uh, in Villarreal, uh, under a fair amount of pressure, particularly in the first half. Uh, but what do you do when you've got a, a first-choice goalkeeper um, that you know really hasn't done too much wrong? It's it's a difficult one, and I yeah. I, I wasn't surprised to see Oscar back in between the sticks uh, uh, against Muro. I think um, Paul just talking about obviously the the changes and um, the fact obviously the goalkeepers have changed the last two games. John, just um, the stats you've got on the squad use usage. And there's obviously yeah, so, four things to bring up. Yeah, so, I mean, as you said earlier, Jeff, that, you know, out of the tw- squad of 20 players, 19 have been used. And, and that is quite a lot with, you know, with just six games into the season. Um, you know, it, 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 it's good, healthy playing time for everyone. As I said, David Reeves is the, the only one not to appear. So the, we've played 540 minutes of football so far. And we've only got one player who has actually stayed on the pitch for the entire of those. And it's obviously Vicente Boys. As you said, the you know the the, the young multilingual left back um, <laughs> who's, who's been playing brilliantly right. for us. He is our right back. Oh, was he right? Sorry, He's he is our right because right, it was Eddie that was not playing on the left to begin with. Um, yeah, and, and as you said, the, the number of changes. So I think over the last four games, um, the first eleven that Progenio has named, um, the the average is there's four and a half changes per game from the game before. So twice he's made four changes, twice he's made five. So he's really not afraid, you know, to, to drop people, bring people in, you know, and, and, and see what works, um, you know, to, to keep those changes going. And then obviously with the six games, he has used all 18 of his possible substitutions. And the average time of those is after 64 minutes 
about 64 and a half minutes. So that's probably, you know, recognised as a bit of a healthy time in the game to, you know, bring on a fresh pair of legs or three. Definitely. I agree. Sorry, I was just going to say, I agree very much with that analysis. And also, um, I do think Pedrinho himself will be under pressure because um, although he's a different character from previous managers that we have had, um, it, it is about results at the end of the day, especially for managers, and, and he must get those results, no matter how good he is in other areas, um, in, in coaching and bringing on young players and getting more out of them, no matter how good he is um, with with uh, the, his technical team and with uh, supporters, and, and uh, he, he does things outside of it, he's, he's organised a new uh, kit for us this year, he's a big friend of the president of Hercules, so he's trying to get his uh, a, a set of tickets so that we can go up to watch the the Spain England international uh, in the middle of November and take a big coach load up there. So he's got a lot of things going for him in terms of the the overall individual and person that he is. But he's going to be judged on results, and he needs to start winning games, and he needs to start finding that right combination of players who are going to win games for him and he'll settle for 1-0. I don't think he wants to win 4-5-0 um, necessarily. He'd like to do that, but he'll settle for 1-0 wins. I know that. I mean, talking about, obviously, it's all about results. It's all about scoring. It's all about keeping clean sheets. So, Paul, do you want to just um, look at Group 6 and how, how we're looking for all these secret scouts who are watching us? Who's um, topping the charts? Okay, so as we said, we've, we've played six games into the season now. Um, we've got 84 different scorers in the, uh, 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 you know, players-wise this year. So, you know, that's, that's a, lot of, uh, a lot of different scorers. The uh, joint top of the top scorer is uh, Victor Pino of Boreal, Nua of Elche Lissitano and Solano of Novelda. They've each got five. Then we've got four players, sorry, three players on four goals. Mauro Meller of Althea. Uh, Mario Real against Muro um, he's the only guy to score for them and then Rafa Jimeno of Ontinient as well has got four um, so there is a there's a lot of different players scoring and there's a lot of players scoring a lot of goals as well So there you go any, any of our um, obviously our football manager contingent who were looking for some secret signings from that level there's the top goal scorers and any managers of the other clubs who have randomly found our podcast <laughs> Mario, Mario Real from um, Muro if you mark him no one else is going to score <laughs> definitely I think that's probably what we picked up last week we must have had a poor game against us um, and obviously the other end of the pitch the uh, who have got the brick walls um, the, the main guy there is Adrian Luna Yuna of Atletico Sagantino um, he's picked up four clean sheets out of the six already. It would have actually been five, and I'll come on to this in a minute, but he actually got himself sent off after 18 minutes at the weekend. Oh. So, uh, yeah, he would have uh, gone even further. Uh, there's, there's, there's another four guys on three clean sheets, another eight on two. Um, and then, obviously, the bad boys of the league, those that are on Santa's naughty list, we've got five guys who've picked up, um, as I said before, sorry, two guys who've picked up five yellow cards this season. Rivera of Paterna and Mateus of Recambias Calan. Um, luckily, none of our guys are, are, are near the top of that list. Cool, I'd like to hear you. Um, I like this because um, do, doing these little bits of stats, you get to learn, one, we've gone over stats of the actual club, so you're starting to learn how many players are getting used, how many changes our manager's doing, why he's doing it, um, and also we get to pick out the people around the league who are doing well. So, 
as the season goes on and we're due to play specific clubs, you might think, oh, I know about a player from that club who hopefully Tori Echo will keep an eye out and make sure he doesn't play well. So it's always nice just to have a quick look at the, at the whole league. So thank you, Mr. Statman, for that. Pleasure, as always. Um, well, if I could just add in one stat there, Paul, that, that particularly worries me, um, and I don't know how you think about this, but um, there are only two teams in our group who have scored fewer goals than CD Tavieka. And in six games, we've only managed four goals. Uh, we've scored in two of the six goals. We've scored two against Boreal very late on. And obviously, we've got two against Muro. So, to me, that really is the heart of our problem. We're not scoring goals. We are creating chances, but we're not scoring goals. And I think... Uh, he's going to have to, the manager that is, he's going to have to take a long, hard look at the the creation of opportunities, the kind of formation he's going to play, and who he's going to start relying on uh, to start getting those goals. And I've got my opinion. I think Juan Fran, who's a, a proven goal scorer over the seasons, uh, recent seasons, uh, th- this chap's a bit of a battering ram for me. He hasn't got a good touch. He hasn't got nice close control. Um, and for me, young Lewis Allen, He's got to be the main man. He's sharp, he's quick, he's got acceleration, he runs the channels, he runs the wings. His timing when he jumps for balls is exquisite. And he's jumping a foot higher than men five and six, seven inches taller than him. So four goals in six games, only scoring in two of those six. That's the stat, Paul, that really has me super alarmed. And the, the fact that those four goals is from four different players as well. So it's not as if there's one guy or there's one, should we say, routine that that's, that's, can get played and, and we know wins. I mean, as you said, Lewis, um, you know, bagged a goal at the weekend and he'll, he'll be grateful for that, for confidence and everything. But again, the, the, I think both of them were, were relative tap-ins, um, you know, from a couple of yards away, as, as, as everyone will have seen from, from the video. Um, so that's definitely, the, as you say, the concern of, of, of getting the goals in at that end of the pitch well I think um, the, the fact that when we look we've had two clean sheets and they all say built from the back make sure you're solid at the back so two clean sheets we've now in the last game just scored two goals I think personally I'm hoping on the training field we are working on the attacking movement we're working on the link up play we're working on making sure that as our team moves up they're moving up in shapes they're moving up in diamonds making sure there's always that pass available making sure there's always somebody on the end of it I don't want to see long balls I don't want to see pointless balls into the corner which I've seen a couple of times over the last few weeks I want to see I don't want to see beautiful football because you can't expect it all the time but I want to see some plan at the end of it not just hit and hope and as Jeff quite rightly says we need to score goals. One fan either needs to sort, sort his touch out or move over and let Lewis come in and basically take the reins because somebody needs to start scoring goals for Toyvieka and give us something to cheer every single week. Well, I, I like what you're saying there, Paul, and, and it's absolutely, again, the, uh, the nail hit on the head. But the problem we've got is Sanchez has been brought in to be our midfield general, our playmaker. Now, he has fallen well short of what his ability must be because his performances to date have been less than impressive. Bergios is a real grafter in midfield, but he's not a creative player. He doesn't find that his passing is, is quite abysmal. We've got Martin and Jorge that the manager has been trying to play as 
midfield players, but they're central defenders for me. They're great big strong boys. They work hard. They play hard. They're great in the air. They tackle well. But again, distribution and going forward and finding that creative uh, defense splitting pass isn't their, their, their forte. That's what Carrasco does. And he's excellent at it. And sadly, we lost Rafa Gomez, and that's something that he was good at. So my worry is, unless Sanchez steps up to the mark, and unless the manager is prepared to play Adrian Banderas, and that's the mystery to me, Adrian, for me, has been excellent every time he's played, and he has got that ability and that creativity in the midfield. So he's got to start getting that right, because if the players don't get the service... Doesn't matter how good they are, they're not going to score. That's true. And I think um, I think I spoke to you, Paul, about um, as you said there, Jeff, the, the the battering rams in midfield. I mean, if if our midfielders line up with the idea of winning the ball, then one of their midfielders, as the possessions one needs to be dropping back, which then means they can just play it simple. Just play it to the right back, play it to the left back, and let them move up the field. And one of them battering rams is just going to sit and form a three-man defence while the full-backs get forward. If the midfield is not competent enough to push on, give it to the flanks and just let somebody create something. And that's all we want to see. All we want to see is some good effort, some, some good football, and as Paul would say, three points. <laughs> and probably, Paul, what's happening is we are getting there, but we're getting there very slowly because he has dropped... Luis Carlos right back into that left back position, and uh, and he is getting forward, and he basically was the creator of the opportunities that we had against Moura that led to the goals. And uh, Vicente is always keen on on getting forward. His delivery sometimes lets him down when he gets uh, uh, very high up the, the field. But uh, yeah, perhaps that's the way we're going. So uh, maybe you've you've spotted that again. Uh, bang on. Finger, fingers crossed, as we say. We've had two clean sheets, four points in the last um, six. Now, I, I have purposely not put the league table on the screen for the YouTube viewers. The reason behind that is, last week, me and Paul said we need six points from the next two games. We've got three of them, so if we get three in the next game, then I'll show you the league table. We Very early on, there's no point of stewing on that lead table we've got four points in the last six so let's think positive and hold on to that the, we can possibly get seven points Paul out of these last three games and things are looking bright and and sunny in Torrieca hopefully hopefully I mean Muro as it turns out you know fantastic 2-0 win but you know arguably was that a, a, a real test considering they're bottom of the table and you know they, they'd already conceded 11 goals in five games before meeting us but the, as I say, the next two are the real tests. We've got Nivelda and uh, Crivalente up next, who are you know sitting just just below playoffs. So they'll have an eye on 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 there. Um, both you know Nivelda who's coming up at the weekend have got you know a player forward in the in the, the top scorer league. Um, if Ruben Solano, their keeper has already got three clean sheets. Alberto, so they have got the the personnel there. And that this is what the one that's going to give us the real test. We need to see whether we can get the three points. I think that's what we want, though, isn't it? But um, that's the end of tonight's show. So I want to first off, I want to thank Jeff. Thank you very much for coming on. We really do appreciate it. 
You're very welcome. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Thank it's you. been a fantastic show, and I hope people Thank who've you, listened, either on iTunes, on SoundCloud, or on YouTube, I hope you've enjoyed it. Remember, we are Toy Vieca Talk, and we are here every single week, giving you the latest news from Club Deportivo Toy Vieca. So remember, tune in next week for more Toy Vieca Talk.